0: I'm an engineer in the area, moved here from Chicago, Um, went to, I'm a recent alumni of the 2022 Men's National Championship winning Kansas Jayhawks. Come on, Rock Chalk. Yes, sir. Um, Native from Chicagoland area. Uh, I'm also a diehard Bears fan. If you know anything about me, I love my Bears. Um, Almost to a fault a couple weeks ago, I actually... Was forced to run a half marathon because I lost a bet, betting on my bears, they let me down. Um, but yeah, like Amory said, we're glad you're here. If, you're fir- if it's your first time, we're glad you're here. The, young, uh, uh, the block exists for young adults to, to learn and see, to build on their life on what counts. And yeah, we are in our series called Headspace, talking about mental health issues, and per- particularly pertaining to our generation. You know, and last week, Nick talked about insecurity, how when our minds are fixed on ourselves, it's just this recipe for insecure thoughts and lives. And tonight, we're going to be talking about another mental health issue that is plaguing our generation, and that is depression. I, I, don't, I think most of us could guess, you know, coming out of a pandemic, that depression, the numbers of depression are just on the rise. Um, and I just want to look at, why are we talking about depression tonight you know before we start let's let's look at some of these stats some of the numbers and see that this is an important issue so you'll notice i cited my sources making my english teachers proud if you want the annotated bibliography come see me after um, so yeah let's just run some through some of these 32 percent of americans reported being affected by depression during the pandemic that's one-third Uh, 9.5% of Americans experience a depressive episode every year. That's 1 in 10. Only 45% of Gen Z reported their mental health to be very good or excellent. So the rest, the 55% reported it to be less than good. The age group with the highest percentage of major depressive episodes was young adults, age 18 through 25. Around 17% of this age group is affected by depression. That's almost, yeah, one in five young adults. And lastly, the prime, depression is the primary reason someone commits suicide every 12 seconds. That's 41,000 per year. So guys, based on these stats, depression is an issue that affects everyone, you know? If these are accurate, most of us in this room either have experienced depression, will experience it in our lifetime, or someone we love will. And so that's why we're talking about this tonight. Before we keep going, I just want to get a baseline. When we talk about depression, what does this mean? So here, according to the Mayo Clinic, depression is a mood disorder that causes the persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. It affects how you feel, think, and behave, and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. You may have trouble doing normal day-to-day activities, and sometimes you feel as if life isn't worth living. When I was in college, me and some buddies, we went on a spring break trip um, to the Grand Canyon. We, we drove all the way out there. i think I got Lucas Hughes there with me. We, we drove out to the, the Grand Canyon, and our goal was we wanted to go hike into the Grand Canyon, stay there for a night, camp there for a night, and then the next morning hike out. And so we're amped up. We pull up to the Grand Canyon. I mean, if you've never been there, it is unbelievably beautiful. Like, one of the most amazing sights I've ever seen. And so we pull up, we go to the, the ranger's office to get, you know, our, our permit for, for camping down in there. And the ranger's like, yeah, so uh, do you guys know it's, like, going to be snowing later? And we're like, oh, I didn't know that. And so we have, like, kind of our little huddle, you know. The ranger's like, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea. So we're we like yeah we'll take your advice let's let's go talk about it for a second and you know we're like we came all the way out here we're gonna go camp in the Grand Canyon you know who cares this expert whatever he thinks <laughs> and so we get our permit and we we start hiking we're like we're gonna do this let's go and I mean the first hour it's amazing the weather's beautiful I mean the sights are amazing we're having a blast getting to know each other it, it's it's just incredible. But then probably, like, two hours in, the clouds start rolling in, you know, and the wind, the temperature drops a little bit, and the wind starts picking up. And we're like, okay, here it comes. And if you didn't know, inside the Grand Canyon is about, like, 10 degrees warmer than on the rim. So it starts snowing on the rim, but inside, it's pouring down rain. It's, like, 45 degrees, pouring down rain wind is whipping through (laughs) and we keep going, we keep going and we come to this rest stop literally like violently, (laughs) violently shaking. Just like kind of, are we going to die out here? Like hypothermia is like a real issue now. And we kind of decide, okay, are we going to keep going or are we going to turn back? And so we're like, let's just keep going, keep going down to the campsite. By the time we get there, it's like eight, eight o'clock, pitch black. We have like our our lamps, and trying to set up our tent. Like, my buddy, his fingers literally could not even move. Just so cold. And it's just miserable. Like, couldn't even enjoy the scenery just because it's so pitch black. And I'm like, get me out of here. I, I don't want to keep experiencing this, you know. And, and the weight of, like, there is no easy way out, right? Like, I'm stuck in this canyon. The only way out is a five-hour hike. Out there 's not like a, an elevator to take me out, and guys, this is kind of what depression does to us, right? Like it, it throws you in this pit of just mis- being miserable and, and sadness and, and darkness, and not only that, but it takes away your energy to, to even do anything. and so the task of getting yourself out of this pit seems like it's too great, right And so you just kind of accept this new reality that I 'm in this pit. Right? And, you know, guys, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. But I am someone who has gone into that pit, you know, who has experienced depression. And that's part of my story. See, in, in high school, you know, I lived for my reputation. You know, I, I wanted people to, you know, think I was cool, think I was liked, to um, be seen a certain way. I, I wanted to craft you know my reputation, and that caused me to live this lifestyle of just of partying and drugs and and all these things, trying to uphold you know this this reputation i'm I'm trying to portray and so I'm living this lifestyle and at home my parents are believers and it and I didn't want to like disappoint them with my lifestyle, you know, so I kind of shoved them out and I just isolated myself from everyone you know I'm kind of trying to maintain this reputation over here trying to be, you know, this cool guy and hiding from my parents and in the middle, I'm like, I don't even know who I am. Deep down I don't know who I am. And so the weight of just like living for this keep continue to like invest in my reputation just brought me to the point of anxiety and eventually depression. And I also like felt in the midst of it, I was like, I really don't have the right to be depressed. Right? Like on paper, my life is great. Like I have loving parents. I have a loving family. Things going for me. And I'm like, I, my life has not been hard. I, I shouldn't be feeling like this, you know. And that just can't even push me more in this pit uh, of isolation and shame. And, and yeah, and just I'd, all that to say, you know, I resonate. If you're here um, going through a season of depression, I resonate. You know, I, I recognize that Depression is a complicated issue, like each person is completely unique, and each person experiences depression in different ways, and it can come from different ways, you know, like um, it could be from an experience, a loss, you know, our our own circumstances, our choices, what we choose to build our identity in. It could just be, depression could come from a mystery, you know, we don't know why. And, you know, it, it it affects us mentally and physically. And, you know, there are people who have devoted their life's work to treating clinical depression, doing research on, you know, how can we treat depression. And if you're here tonight and you are in a season of depression and have not sought professional help, I encourage you to do that. But also, depression affects us spiritually. And this is not one of those issues that God is silent on. The Bible actually talks about depression, and you can see examples in the Bible of people who experience it. And so what I want to do tonight is look at some of these examples, zoom in on one example, see how this person responded to depression, and then arm ourselves for battle against the lies that our, our brain tells us when we are going through depression. So I'm just going to pray for us real quick, and we can hop right in. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the block and this opportunity to talk about issues that are, you know, plaguing our generation, God. And we just thank you that your word um, is not silent on things, that we can turn to you in things like depression and, and look to see what you say. So I pray that, yeah, you just speak through me, speak your truth, Lord, and, and comfort those who are, you know, experiencing that tonight. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think uh, there's almost kind of like this stigma in, like, Christian culture where we tell ourselves, like, you know, I can't be a Christian and struggle with depression, right? It's like we think, oh, Christians are supposed to be the happiest people, you know, and because I'm feeling down, I have to, like, hide that almost. I I don't, I can't express this sadness. And just that kind of thinking only just further isolates and further brings us down. Um, but, you know, there, like I said before, there, there are many examples in the Bible who've, of people who have wrestled with depression and who are pretty open about their struggle. So I just want to walk through a few of these examples. First one, Job, or if you're new to the Bible, Job. <laughs> Job, this guy, he had everything. You know, he had the fields, the fam- he had a big family, cattle. I mean, that's how you knew you made it back in the day if you had a bunch of cattle. Like, this guy had it all. And one day, trials come, God decides to test him, and he loses everything. He loses all his field, his, his, his family, he loses his health, everything he has. And the book of Job, you kind of see his thought process, his experience through wrestling through this, this event and um, the first part of the book, you know, he, he's kind of got this good attitude, like trusting God with it. And then back half of the book, you read verses like this. And now my life ebbs away. Days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My gnawing pains never rest. In his great power, God becomes like clothing to me. He binds me like the neck of my garment, throws me into the mud, and I am reduced to dust and ashes. He's expressing this, this grief he's experiencing. Next example, David. David was a man described as a man after God's own heart. Israel's most famous king. God used him to do amazing things for the nation of Israel and in his family tree, none other than Jesus Christ. So pretty important guy. This guy's a stud. Obviously, you know, surely he didn't wrestle with depression. This is in Psalm 6, 6 through 7. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping, drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail me because of all my foes. David experienced it. The last one is Elijah. This dude, he was a prophet. He witnessed God do insane things, like rain down fire from the sky because Elijah asked him to. And then, immediately after God sees this, a couple verses later, you read this. While he went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Because these are only a few examples. The Bible is full of them. If you look into the book of Psalms, the Psalms is a collection of 150 songs and poems where the author just kind of expresses their heart either worship to God their their experiences what they're going through guys over 30% of them are songs of lament meaning the main purpose of this psalm is the author expressing their sorrow and grief guys this is in the bible like verses like this are in the bible you know, it's not just holding hands, running around, a campfire, like, Ooh, kumbaya kind of thing. This is God, people expressing their unfiltered thoughts of God. And according to 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed, meaning God divinely inspired these words. He purposely crafted them to be recorded and studied and used so what do we do from this? We can and we should take our deepest sorrows to God. We can take our, our raw, dark, unfiltered thoughts, emotions, feelings to God. I mean, He knows it. He knows our hearts. We don't have to fake it to Him. Uh, I think, you know, I'm prone to just kind of avoid those emotions because like I don't want to you know disappoint God or something like but verses like this show us you know, we can we can and we should take these pains to God Psalm 62 8 says trust in him at all times you people pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge because if if you're in the midst of the darkest season of your life where your own thoughts scare you, I promise you, they don't scare God. You can take your heart, you can take your deepest pains to him. And next I want to look at one of these songs of lament in the Psalms we see and zoom in on how the author responds to this this feeling of depression. Now, in this example, we're not really sure who the author is, but some of the context is we know this guy is in exile, he's far away from his home country, feeling out of place, he wants to go back, and it has brought him down to this, this you know, feeling of depression. Psalm 45 to, or er, Psalm 42, 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. This word, cast down, literally means to depress. It's, to, to, it's like sinking down. It's, it's this idea of push, being pushed down under the weight of, of sadness and grief. And clearly, I mean, this author is wrestling with depression. And the first thing you see in this passage is that he's talking to his soul almost from like, A bird's eye view, you know, like a third person asking himself, you know, what's wrong with me here? Why am I feeling like this? Heart, why are you so down? You know, no doubt is this guy hurting. Like a few verses earlier in verse 3, he says, my tears have been my food night and day. But right here, the psalmist, he takes a different frame of mind. He puts a pause to his own heartache And starts to talk to himself. Says, "Soul, self, you know, why, why are you hurting?" And guys, you know, with depression, our negative thoughts can just spiral. You know, we know that like something as simple as "What am I going to eat for breakfast?" can somehow spiral down to like you climbing back in bed and giving up for that day. You know, we don't, we can't make sense of how depression works in our minds, and we're just bombarded with lies uncontrollably. And so in the midst of depression, we need to learn how to talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Right? Does that make sense? We need to learn how to talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. You know, I mean, when, when you wake up, ourselves are just talking, right? You don't have to flip a switch. Your mind is just running. You're just like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Some you know, these are just in the background. Although I learned the other day that some people don't have an internal monologue, so like words are not tied to their, their own thoughts, which I'm like, how do you read then? So if that's you, I'd love an explanation because I think that's, that's crazy. But but anyway, yeah, so and these thoughts when we have depression, these thoughts in the background are, you know, skewed by this like chemical imbalance in our brain just Negative negative thinking is overtaking us. And by talking to ourselves, when we see right here, why are you cast down? It's like putting pause on this flow of thoughts and asking ourselves why. Like, what's the root? Why am I thinking like this? What is the start of this spiral? You know, it's this idea of being carried down a river, you know, and swimming off to the shore and kind of just standing there and watching the water flow by. Watching this stream of thoughts flow by. And honestly, if you've been to therapy, this is like, this is what mindfulness is. <laughs> it's like becoming aware of how your mind is working and how your heart is feeling from like a bird's eye view. And so what do we do when you're on the shore watching this? Why, when you're asking yourselves, why am, I, why am I cast down? And you see the back half of this verse Oh, I, just, I did some bolding here. Back half. Hope. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation, my God. He turns his heart to God. Hey guys, don't hear me say, like, I, I recognize when we're going through depression, our thoughts scare us. It, it, is, it is deep. It is dark. But even in this, it, it doesn't to take away that he's not hurting. You know, he's still in this season of hurting, but he makes this conscious effort. To turn his heart towards God. To think of his truth. And that's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time. Is um, battling these lies that depression tells us. These spiral thoughts are just filled with lies. And looking at God's word to see what is some truth that we can use to combat what our own depressed minds are telling us. Because I think if you were to, you know, walk into the store, walk down the aisle and pick up a box of depression, like depression O's or something, and you flip it around and you read the list of ingredients, one of the first ingredients on that list would be lies. Right? It's like we are constantly bombarded with negative thinking. And I want to look at three common lies that we hear in the midst of depression. So I made a little table. I'm an engineer. I like tables. Um, yeah, lies, depression tells us. Truth, God tells us. First lie, you're all alone. No one understands you. Nobody else experiences this. You're all by yourself. Truth is, God is near. Psalm thirty four seventeen through 19 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Guys, if you're here tonight and your heart is broken, your spirit is crushed. <laughs> this is your verse. Look, God is near. He's close to you. Even when a season where you feel like you're on a whole different island, like the whole world around you is gone, you know, when, you're, when you feel all alone, God says specifically he's near. And not only is he near, but he understands. Right? Jesus himself suffered sadness and despair when he was on earth. You know, Isaiah 53 describes him as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So he knows. He knows what it's like. And he loves you. He's near. Arm yourself with this truth. I mean, like... It pretty much explains this is a direct, you know, in direct opposition to that lie that I'm all alone. God is not near. Next lie, depression tells us. You're unfixable. There's no hope. You know, you're always going to be like this. Truth is, you will find rest in Jesus. Matthew 11, 20, 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden, burden is light. So Jesus is inviting all of us who are weary and burdened to come to him. It's this, this picture of like, Someone carrying on their backs this weight that is too heavy for them. that They just can't keep going. They're about to collapse. He's saying, come to me. And is this not what depression does? It, it weighs you down with negative things and it steals your energy from you to the point where you're just, I, I can't keep going. I can't, I can't do it anymore. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me with your depression. Come to me with that weight you've been carrying. And he says, I will give you rest. So back to this Grand Canyon story. When the morning comes and, you know, you can finally see where we are. It's beautiful. And I literally did not sleep a wink. (laughs) Like I was so cold because I climb into my sleeping bag, instantly soaked. Like there's literally a puddle in the tent. And I'm just so miserable. Didn't sleep at all. And you wake up and you're like, "Wow, I got to climb all the way out now." And So you pack up, we packed up everything, got our tents, our pots and pans, food, our garbage. You can't even leave garbage down there, and put it all in our backpacks, and start walking out of the canyon. And man, it, it was tough, like weighing you down, just heavy backpack. And every once in a while, we'd come to a rest break, and you'd kind of just, what you'd do is you'd, like, find a rock and sit down on it. And we were wearing, like, hiking backpacks, so they kind of extended a little bit farther. And you'd kind of sit down on it, and, oh, the rock would push up on the backpack, and I can feel it right now. Just weight lifted off your shoulders for, like, two seconds, and just that alone would give you the energy to be like, okay, let's keep going. I can do it. This uh, that brief moment of rest allowed you to to keep going forward. And Jesus is saying, "Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in my heart, and you'll find rest for your souls." Yoke. It's not the yellow stuff and eggs. No, this is a yoke is was state of the art technology back in the day. Here's a picture of a yoke. Essentially, a farmer would put You know, a big piece of wood, strap it to two oxen, and attach them together. So, you know, they would work together to plow a field, right? They would share this load of the farming equipment and be used to, to, yeah, to keep moving forward. And Jesus is saying, hey, I will give you rest. Take this yoke, and I'll give you rest. Which, (laughs) it kind of seems like a trick, right? Because Jesus is saying, hey... I'll give you rest, but then here, take this, this other thing that seems like it's going to hold us back again, right? You're like, well, wait, what about the rest? Oh, I'm going to keep working? Guys, the, the rest that Jesus is talking about is not, not like rest of, you know, Sunday afternoon, laying out in a hammock, just kind of falling asleep. No, it, it's the rest to, to move forward and not grow tired, right? It's the, it's the, the strength to keep going. Because on the other side of this yoke, the one you're yoked to is Jesus. You know, he is alongside of you, carrying this burden, this burden of depression with you, moving forward, guiding you, leading you, sharing the load with you. And I know, like, this is not the answer we want to hear, right? Because it's like, when we are experiencing depression... We want that quick fix. We want that, just get me out of this pain. Get me out of this, this pit I'm in instantly, right? Like when I woke up that next morning and looked up how long this journey and how hard this journey was going to be to get out of the canyon, I'm like, I wish there was an elevator, man. Like this is, get me out of here. But Jesus is saying, no, we're going to work through this together, right? He's not saying I'm going to take this this burden immediately, like snap my fingers and it'll go away which he can but guys this is hear this this is far better the fact that Jesus wants to carry our burdens with us is better because while he is helping us through you know the carrying this burden we get to know him right he's right next to us and guys the true joy in life is knowing Jesus. It's knowing Him. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. It's saying, like, eternal life, this full life, this abundant life, is through knowing Jesus. You know? And this was my story. Like, I I came into college carrying this burden of depression with me. You know, I, I had not gotten out of this this season, and you know, I, I turned quickly turned to you know fraternity lifestyle, like partying, keep keep going in this direction, and it wasn't you know it, it kept growing. This weight of depression kept growing, but I met this guy who who showed me what it looked like to to actually you know follow Jesus, to to be yoked to him, to you know, walk through life with Jesus to give my life to him. And ultimately when I decided, you know, I'm done living for myself, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus, and you lead me, you take me, you guide me. You know, looking back now, I can see how he did bring me out of that pit of depression. Right? It, w- it wasn't like a, a quick fix, and I still even experienced days where, my, My heart is down and depressed, but looking back, I see how walking with him has taken me out. Last lie. You're worthless. Nobody cares. You're not worth anything. The truth is, God made you, loves you, and cares for you. How precious are your thoughts, God, how vast the sum of them. You kind of just get this picture of God being this, you know, master craftsman. How he's intricately and detailed, oriented, creating you, you know. God God knows you. Like he knows how you think, how you feel. He knows your your hobbies, your habits, your wirings. He's deeply involved in, in you, you know. He, he knows you and you know an artist does not just like throw away their masterpiece right like he god does not just turn his back on his creation who you look at this verse he he you know intently created and guys and this is where our value is you know it's not it's not our reputation it's not our net worth it's not what car we drive or what people think or you know how good looking you are or anything like that. This, that's not our value. Our value is the fact that God created us and made us after his own image, made us unique in every single way. Each one of us has value because God made us. And how do we know that? How do we know that God sees value in us? Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God saw you as having so much value that he sent his own son, his only son, to come and die for you. Because, you know, God is loving, but God is also just, right? Like each person will be judged at the end of their life. And not any nobody on this earth could stand before God and say, yes, I have completely upheld your law perfectly. I deserve to go to heaven. Right? We all fall short. But God saw us as worth it to send his son, Jesus, to suffer and to die in our place. So that when we place our trust in him, when we take his yoke that he's offering, when we say, I can't carry this burden anymore, I can't, I can't do it, I, I need you to carry this with me. I need you to guide me. And we'll spend eternity with God. We'll be with him. And guys, if you are here tonight and you haven't made that decision, if you've you know been wrestling with that and haven't, you can realize you've, you haven't decided to, to take Jesus' yoke, uh, I would encourage you to do that. <laughs> right? like The time is now. Um, and if you are a Christian, and This is, he, Jesus' call is for everyone. To come to him, everyone who is weary and burdened. So it, we can continually bring our burdens to Jesus. To say, I can't do this anymore. Please, Jesus, lead me through this. That's not a one-time thing. So guys, we see, you know, three lies that depression tells us. You're all alone. You're unfixable. There's no hope for you. You're worthless. But God is near. We will find rest in Jesus. And God loves you, cares for you, and made you. And one thing I love about the block is we get to hear stories, you know, of people like us who, who have experienced the things we're talking about and I want to invite up David. Uh, David, we just became roommates uh, as of last night, actually, so <laughs> But yeah, let's welcome up David, and he's going to share his story.)
1: I got to push the sound. I'm not as tall as goody. Um, hi everyone. Yep. Um, my name is David. Uh I'm blessed to have the opportunity to volunteer here at the block as well as um share how God has worked in in my life and in through my depression. Uh growing up, I um committed my life to following Jesus when I was 8 years old. I grew up in a Christian household with lovely parents that raised me up that way. Um but growing up, I did not have any community i didn't have any friends that were Christians that could help shape me and lead me on a path that was following jesus uh, so when college came i uh I went to the University of Nebraska. I did not know anyone, so I joined a fraternity um, kind of you know thought it'd be fun to do that to do that thing and um the first semester of college is really tough because I told people that I, was, that I was a Christian. And a lot of people casted me out for that. They didn't like me because they thought that I would look at them and judge them and call them out on the things they were doing, which was not true at all. Um, but I wanted to be accepted. So I started to go to some parties, drink a little bit, hang out with them. Um, then, go to more parties, drink more, and as I started doing this the the more I felt like I was being accepted, like these guys were talking to me, they were you know like being nice to me, saying hi to me I was like, oh, I'm actually making friends. this is nice and um during my junior and senior year of college this this kind of guilt of of my sin, I was feeling really convicted of the way I was living. Um, was turning a lot more into shame and guilt, and was really just self destructive and weighing on me. I started to become really depressed, I was always tired. Um, the simplest of tasks seemed almost impossible. I did not see the meaning or purpose at all to life. I felt like my life was just not worth living. Um, at this time, my life was completely focused on me. Um, I held all my all my self worth and my success. Um, kind of in my schoolwork and in my, my internship, the ability to get a job. I wanted to make more money than anyone else coming out of college. So that was that's what I put my worth in. Um, I was also in a relationship with a girl at that time that was not at all centered on Christ. Um, and I was suffering inside. But everything on the outside of my life looked great from a worldly view. Um, but inside I was just full of despair, sadness, guilt. And shame. In the span of a few months uh, things started to take turn even more for the worse. Uh, I had a friend from high school that uh, committed suicide. My great-uncle had died uh, in an unfortunate accident after falling out of a deer stand. My father was diagnosed with cancer and My relationship with my girlfriend at the time it ended, and I was also physically assaulted by one of my roommates. Uh, I felt that I was just too far gone uh, to go to church or to be loved by anyone or anything, even God. Uh, I felt like I would not be accepted by followers of Jesus because of the way I had been living. And I also felt so bad because I hurt God so much, and I thought he wouldn't want anything to do with me. But at the same time, I was finding out that these friends that I thought that I had were, were not real. They, they didn't care about me. They didn't love me for who I was. Um, but these events and the way I was feeling in my life made me turn even more to, to drinking, to try to numb the pain and to feel something else besides just a total failure or a worthless individual. I was going to the bars at least four nights a week, drinking heavily every time I went out. I had no purpose in life, and it was just a struggle every day to get, to get out of bed or do anything of the simplest of tasks. Um, one night, my roommates and I came back from the bars, and one of them was, was really intoxicated, and he, uh, an altercation happened, and he affirmed all the lies that I'd been telling myself about being worthless and my life having no meaning, that nobody likes me. Um, And when this happened, it was just like a bomb of emotions just went off. All this pain and sadness that I had been carrying on my back had just become too much. And I just hated the person that I had become and um, really just thought, this is it. So I left my apartment at around 4 a.m. I walked several blocks to um, the top of a bridge ready to take my own life. That entire walk, I was crying, crying out to God, um, just saying how sorry I was and just how I felt like I was unworthy of any good thing that he had ever given to me. Um, I just told God I can't keep doing this. I can't keep going. The pain has just become too much. There's no going back for me. So I planned to call my parents and leave them a voicemail to tell them, hey, it's not, it's not your fault. Um, you're the greatest parents that God could have given me. You raised me up right. I, I failed you. Um, I was also scared if they knew who I really was, they would reject me as well, like everyone else had. Um, so I dialed the phone, and my dad answered on the second ring, and it was 4.30 in the morning at this time. When he picked up the phone, I just started bawling, saying how sorry I was, how I failed him as a son. I also mentioned I was on top of a bridge. That, that kind of freaked him out a little bit. Um, so he we went and woke up my mom, and um, I told them everything I had done as a person. And, and God used them in an amazing way to tell me that, David, it's, it's okay. You are our son, and we will always love you no matter what. We are all sinful people who have fallen short of the glory of God. And after talking to my parents, I, you know, I talked to them for about two more hours before I finally got off the bridge. And I just felt really God's presence start to, to come on me. Um, that very next day, I, I packed up a bag and, and went home here to Kansas City. I was determined to to start my life over with Christ at the very center of it. I started meeting with a therapist who was also a Christian, making uh, Christ at the center of my therapy and my recovery. Uh, He also referred me to a psychiatrist um, who prescribed me medicine. I had been diagnosed with a major clinical depression. I wanted to get plugged in, make it a priority to, to meet Christian friends like I never had, have that community. And, after putting it off for several weeks i I came to the block by myself, and it was really hard for me because I was worried if I was going to be accepted or not. But I am just so glad that I walked through these two doors. Um, I started meeting some great people, some great guys that had their life centered on Christ, and I had never felt the sense of welcoming um really ever in my life from a group of friends and so My recovery from depression, though, was was not without setbacks. Um, A very unfortunate personal event had happened within my family. Uh, Someone who I went to for everything had completely betrayed my trust as well as completely broke my heart. I was really, I was just mad at God because I thought I was doing the right things to get back on track to try to put Christ at the center of my life. But um, I continued again to, to fall into depression and anxiety And, um, I just, like, realized that God was using this, uh, to, to show me that everything and everyone in this life has the potential to fail you, but, but God will not. Um, he let me know that, that he is, is with me through the entire way and, and that he was pursuing me, even though I was trying to shove him in the back of my mind, um, God has given me the, the greatest love imaginable. He sent his His own son, Jesus, to, to die on the cross for my sins, and he raised him from the dead so that I wouldn't just get a spot in heaven for eternity if I believe in him, but that I would have the opportunity to develop a personal, real relationship with, with my Savior while I'm on this earth. So, if you're sitting here tonight and you're maybe going through some of these same things, I just want you to know that you're not alone. You can tell yourself there's going to be a voice in that, your head telling you're alone, um, but, you're, but you're not. Please get help. Use professional resources we have to seek counseling. Um, my Christian counselor was awesome for me. Um, also know that God loves you and meets you where where you are at. God showed me that there is nothing I can do to make myself look better. There's nothing I can do to clean myself up. I I can't. It's it's impossible to try to do anything on my own. So if you're like me, don't don't give up on life. I know that, that God has made me in his image and has a purpose for my life, even when I didn't know it. And he has a purpose for you too. Finally, I'd like to share a a verse that I came across shortly after I moved back to to Kansas City. And it really spoke to me, really came out to me and and touched me in a, a big way that was just instrumental in my path towards recovery and turning my life back to Christ. And it's from Luke chapter 15, verses 3 and 7. And it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. I was was lost sheep and my savior and good shepherd found me, put me on his shoulders and, and brought me back to him. Thank you.
0: Great job, Man. Thanks for sharing that, David. That's that's so cool. It's been so cool to, to hear your story and see how God has transformed you and used, you know, it, it, like you said earlier, it's like come full circle, you know, to, to walk through those doors and, yeah, that God taking you on this road to recovery. So that's awesome. So, yeah, um, so just to summarize and conclude, we looked at some examples in the Bible of, of people who've experienced depression. You know, we are not, like David said, we're not alone. You know, there, there is truth in God's word about depression. And we also saw how to zo- zoom in in how to, what to do in this season of depression by, you know, learning to talk to ourselves, to talk God's truth to ourselves. And we also saw battling the lies that depression tells us with truth. So um, I'm going to pray for us and there's going to be some discussion questions up that we can talk amongst ourselves and yeah, we will wrap it up. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for who you are, God, how you are so good, and each person is unique, God, each story um, is unique, Lord, and we thank you that you do not let that sheep wander off, but you go and find that lost sheep, Lord, I, I, I thank you that you did not give up on your creation. Uh, I pray that anyone experiencing depression in this room, God knows that they can They can come to you and and receive you, Lord. So we just thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Uh, I pray that it continues to mold us and shape us and for the conversations that are going to follow. So it's in your name we pray.